0: Uh focus on your mental health,
1: you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and this week we're chatting to Alex Light. She's a digital creator, a podcaster and also a writer we're going to be chatting about body confidence and eating disorders.
2: I really do have a very long and extensive history of, uh, well, body confidence issues, I suppose. I've really, I've had... For the majority, vast majority of my life, really, up until a couple of years ago, I've just had terrible, terrible body image, really negative, felt so badly about myself and about the skin I was in, and just felt very insecure. Um, And this led to a lot of issues with um, disordered eating and eating disorders. And ultimately, I ended up in hospital and, and got, was was lucky enough to have you know really good help and and therapy and as I was going through my therapy I I think the the main thing is is that I started to learn about diet culture and anti-fatness and what both of those things were and it really um it's sort of it's Shocked me because I just thought that it was you know it was innate that we all had a preference to be thin and that we we just wanted to be thin, especially women. It was just something that was in us. um And finding out that the reason that 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 it, it's actually not innate at all, it's just conditioning. And the reason that that exists, that conditioning is so is so that it it lines the pockets of a lot of people who own the you know who. who have stakes in the diet industry and so I kind of felt galvanized into action and I wanted to push back against these beauty standards and these body standards and you know it, it sounds cringe to say but genuinely I felt like I wanted to help people who had been who were in a similar position to what I'd been in to just feel better about this about their body and about like inhabiting this body and, and carrying so much shame around your body can be so debilitating and can zap so much of our time and our energy and our headspace and our capacity as well. And I just didn't want it for me and I didn't want it for anyone else either. So yeah, in a, I guess in a long way around, like that's how I came to it. Like the process was really gradual as well. I used to just talk about uh, fashion and beauty, which I still love. Um, but as i started to learn about body com- body confidence and diet culture i that that side of things grew and really gradually at my platform became a space almost solely dedicated to that because it just felt incredibly important and felt like such a prevalent issue that so many women face but they isn't or at least when I started doing it there wasn't a great amount of resources or access to help and you know free access to help so it just felt really important.
1: Hmm. Um, Just before we go on go on to talk a bit more about um, diet culture and your book um, are you happy to tell us a bit more about the kind of re- support that you received um, for your eating disorder um, and also the things that helped and maybe some of the things that didn't help? Um, Because a lot of our listeners struggle with that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, totally. So um, as with most recoveries, which is something that isn't spoken about enough, I don't believe, it was very convoluted, not at all linear, my recovery, very up and down and backwards and forwards and making breakthroughs and then having lapses and it was complicated. But initially I received CBT, Um, therapy which was it was it was really it was really helpful very helpful to me but on a surface level I suppose because everything that I was learning made sense but they weren't I wasn't able to make them feel real like I was learning that I you know, my body is not the most interesting. My body is the least interesting thing about me and how I look and my weight is the least interesting thing about me. And I was learning those things, but not necessarily feeling that they were real. And so I was in a better place, but not in a, but not, it it still felt like I had a lot to tackle. And I stopped that therapy because, you know, a couple of years later, it felt like I'd, gotten as much from it as I was going to and during that time my eating disorder kind of morphed from anorexia and bulimia into binge eating and I eventually had to seek help for binge eating and the psychiatrist that I went to, again I was very lucky to access all of this help because I know how difficult it is. Um, I actually had private health insurance through my work at the time so again very lucky. Um, The psychiatrist that I saw actually referred me to um, a therapist a psychologist that specialized in schema therapy which is tackling you know I'm sure you know but like tackling real you know the it goes it goes deeper I suppose than than CBT and tackles the more uh, emotional side of of um our pain and, and our trauma I suppose and that really was hugely, hugely helpful for me. A lot of the things that I knew in my sensible, rational adult brain, I couldn't actually make myself believe on a very emotional and, you know, kind of animal brain level and schema therapy really helped me get to the bottom of that. Um, so I, I, I think actually that the two combined, worked well for me in the end but again this is a, this is across like a seven year period and there was a lot of eating disorders and eating disorder behavior in between so very complicated and convoluted and I think that that those kind of stories are really important to tell as well because prior to that the only recovery stories that I'd heard about or watched on tv or on youtube or read about it's They sound so simple and straightforward and linear. It's like, oh, girl gets sick, girl gets help, girl is better. And that was really that I think that was really damaging for me because it just created another standard that I was not living up to and I was felt like I was letting myself down in yet another way so I always am keen to talk about my recovery being complicated and not straightforward because I think it's important.
1: Yeah so I think a lot of us relate to that and especially sort of working in journalism I think there's sometimes editors can kind of pressurize us to write stories where as you say it's sort of somebody goes through something that's really challenging but then you know, they come out the other side, and it's brilliant. And then that's where the story finishes. And, you know, when you're writing a story, that does kind of seems to make sense on page. But unfortunately, mental health issues, it tends to be a much longer and convoluted narrative, as as you say. So, um, yeah, just before we talk a bit more about the book, what are some of the biggest misconceptions still do you think around um, eating disorders?
2: Yeah, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions around eating disorders is that there's a narrative still that it's a vanity issue that people just they want to look thin to look pretty to look attractive and that's where the eating disorder stems from and it's it just goes so much deeper and it's so much There is so much more to it than that and it's not true and and that is such a harmful narrative as well because it means that eating disorders still carry such a stigma and there is so much shame around them and then then they're not treated as seriously perhaps as other mental health issues when, I mean, the... the, um, the psychiatric disorder with the highest mortality rate is anorexia nervosa and yet the funding is shocking for it. It's terrible and it's very difficult to access any kind of help or therapy. Um, so I think that's a really big issue that, um, that people think it's a, it's a, a problem of, of vanity. Uh, another is that you have to be underweight To have an eating disorder, which is just not true. I believe that binge eating disorder is the most common eating disorder, uh, despite it not even being recognized here officially. And people with binge binge eating disorder don't tend to be underweight, and yet we only really sit up and take notice of people that are very thin, and they're the ones that are believed more that they have an eating disorder when that's just not the case and bulimia as well most people with bulimia are at a, a healthy weight I'm saying that in massive air quotes because something that can't really you know a healthy weight isn't something that that actually can be quantified despite despite what we may believe in this um in today's sort of medical world um so yeah so so that and that, and that also only happens to women as well because a great deal of men suffering with eating disorders and yet they feel possibly even more stigma and shame around their eating disorders and are less likely to speak up and get help. So I think there are a lot of misconceptions around it and also possibly because it's not being talked about enough because of the shame around it. I mean, I, was, I never spoke, I never told anyone about my eating disorder for years and years and years. And, and it was actually only my mum that stepped in to, to get me help and I was able to be honest with her about it and that was it like I never opened up to my friends my boyfriend my sisters because I felt this huge shame about around it because it felt very embarrassing and I thought people were just going to think god she's so vain or she's not thin enough to have an eating disorder that was my fear as well
0: Mm.
1: and it is challenging as you said with um with binging to eating disorder in particular because if you go to the doctor unfortunately if you're of a certain size they might kind of get you straight on the scales and In some cases, I know they sort of recommend that you go to particular diet clubs. I think it's slimming world at the moment. It's scary. Yeah, well, it is, isn't it? If if somebody's actually dealing with basically sort of something that's rooted in um, mental health issues and emotional issues, and you're treating that with
2: sending them off to a diet club, which it is, it's really scary. The the nemesis of binge eating and what keeps binge eating going is restriction. And what these diet clubs all prescribe is restriction because that's how they, that's how they want, you know, that's how you lose weight from those diet clubs or from any diet really is restriction. And that's what fuels binge eating. This restriction and deprivation leads to an increase in eating. We know that and we know that diets don't work as well and we know the harm that intentional weight loss can cause and yet, that's what's prescribed at the doctors. For example, when you know you might get exactly, you might go and say, "I'm really struggling with binge eating," and then they'll say, "Well, you're overweight. Go to Slimming World." I think is the one that they recommend. Go to Slimming World, and ultimately, that just fuels the cycle and is causing dam- further damage. Um, but our medical system, there, there isn't just there, there just isn't enough education. Uh, for doctors and for people and for nurses and for people in the healthcare system there just isn't enough education around this there isn't enough education in in our society or our culture because diet culture has prevailed for so long that we don't we don't we haven't really looked at the statistics behind it and learned that actually it's just one big massive fail 95% of diets fail
1: that's so high I thought it was around 80% which is bad enough but
2: my no 95 this is a statistic that that has been around for a long time but it's been refuted by a lot of people and mainly people within the diet industry but there has been a, a, a lots of studies since that have are able to back up that statistic but that there was also a study with two identical twins I think they're from Sweden um, and they were both followed and one of them was a chronic dieter always doing different diets consistently doing diet after diet and the other one was never went on a diet and i think at the end of this period of following them they discovered that the the twin that was a chronic dieter ended up heavier and it makes sense because that's what happens with dieting we restrict we deprive and then like a a, a normal biological Uh, response to that is binge eating or eating more than we actually need or want and so that's that's often why dieting can lead to a place where we are you know we we end up heavier than we were before we started it which totally goes against the point of dieting in the first place so it makes no sense and yet we're still we still still very much live in a diet culture
1: Mm, but it does make sense for the people as you sort of mentioned who are actually profiting from diet culture or the diet industry because it doesn't actually you know if if people actually did get healthy and get you know remained at a healthy weight and and then could could leave them that's actually not in their interests. <laughs> it's it's sort of really difficult totally. to, to say isn't it but actually it I know the, it benefits the more if you do sort of lose the weight but then gain more weight and then you have to go back and you're sort of stuck in the cycle
2: right um and and I think I think it's so it's so interesting to think that you know and people will say diets do work and yes they might work initially but they don't they very very rarely well in 5% of cases have a sustained long-term weight loss yeah. and I I find it so you know if diets worked we would do one they would work it would work and it would be done you wouldn't have to do one again right but the fact that we continually have to be constantly on a diet surely that's a sign that diets don't work and yet the thing is that, but it's it's no nobody, it's nobody's fault and this is the thing it's like we live in this culture where thinness is glorified and the idea that we have to be thin is so pervasive mm. that we are taught to just we, we are taught to try and achieve it no matter the cost no matter the consequences and that's why we continue to try and try and try even though really at the bottom of it we know that it doesn't work but we feel so uncomfortable in our own bodies that we feel like diets are our only hope Mm. which is really sad
1: so huge question what's the solution then like how do we break out of this sort of cycle of of dieting and then sort of giving up and then sort of dieting again and losing and gaining weight how do we sort of break out of that and kind of come to a sort of a healthier place um in terms of our self-image and also I don't want to say a healthy weight but you you know what I mean you're sort of maintaining
2: yeah I know what you mean like a, a weight where whereby you're allowed to you're letting yourself live your life fully without any restriction but you're still nourishing yourself um this is a this is a really difficult question and again I don't want to be reductive or like or minimize what has to go into this because it is difficult but I also don't want I want to sort of strike the balance between being realistic about it and then encouraging people to embark on the journey because it's so necessary and so freeing it's the hands down the best thing I've ever done for myself but and I do also want to caveat that I'm not a trained professional, I'm not a a nutritionist or a dietitian or a a psychologist but I think what is important and what lies at the root of this is diet culture and anti-fatness and learning what that is, why it exists and why it thrives and I think that will give you a base level of understanding that we don't need to be thin. We think we need to be thin, but we don't. This isn't a an an innate thing, as I said before. It's something that is taught to us by a lot of conditioning from society from an extremely young age. Um, that was really pivotal for me in this journey because I, I felt like it la- allowed me to get to the root of this, to the root of why I feel that way and then everything else sort of came on top of that Um, and one of the the other things that was pivotal as well is it sounds really basic and a a lot of people say it but it's such good advice was to curate my feed so I previously followed people who only up you know upheld society's standard of beauty which is really scarily narrow and I used those people as my motivation or my inspiration and I was using them to yeah, I, I wanted to look like them and I decided to have an overhaul of my feed and unfollow those people who are making me feel bad and start to follow people of all different shapes and sizes and races and genders and, you know, a true cross-section of society and initially that was really shocking and it was, what what was shocking was to see people in bigger bodies in a positive context because prior to that we we'd seen bigger bodies on TV but it was always in as a before they were a before picture it was always before they embarked on their weight loss journey you know and then they've got the comparison of afterwards when they have lost all this weight so we only ever saw it in saw bigger bodies in a really negative context of oh god don't they look awful they're you know good job they're about to start their weight loss and then that's how you end up conditioned And to see these bodies in a really positive context of people who were enjoying and embracing and celebrating their body was initially shocking to me. But it didn't take long for me to get desensitized to these images and then start to see the beauty in them. And when you can start to see the beauty in bodies that lie outside of society's standard of beauty, then you're much more You're much better equipped to be able to see the beauty in your own body as well. And I remember one day looking at this girl and thinking, gosh, she looks amazing, right? That was my first thought. And then my second thought was, oh, her body's really similar to mine. And then my third thought was, well, if I can think she looks amazing and her body is so similar to mine, why can I not think that my body looks Amazing, well, you know, why can I not accept my own body as well and think it looks good? And I think that was a real moment for me where I realized that body image lies with the mind, not the body. And the fantastic thing is to feel better about your body, you don't need to change your body. You just need to change your mindset and how you feel about your body because that's where the problem lies with how you feel about your body. Obviously, that that's. I don't want to um, minimise anyone's anyone's feelings around this because also there is the problem of how society treats fat people and people living in bigger bodies, um, and so that for fat people there is is then an added layer of the you know the the, the inner critic, um, but yeah at at the root of it I think it's really important to realize that body image is a mind problem not a body problem and and then intuitive eating and that gosh I mean I've had my fair share of ups and downs with intuitive eating because I came at it came at intuitive eating from everything that I'd seen on social media and I found it really difficult because when you've had a lifetime of disordered eating, trying to then eat intuitively is almost impossible. There are so many rules and things that we've picked up along the way from different diets. For example, I thought that I could only have carbs with one meal per day. Or I thought that I shouldn't eat after 7pm. And those are all rules that are just, yeah, they've been picked up along the way, but it's hard to identify those until you without guidance it's hard to identify them without guidance so I really did struggle and in the end I um I was able to access a few sessions with a dietitian, and that completely changed my eating completely I learned about nutrition but real nutrition not diet culture nutrition not eat fruit but not bananas because they're too high in sugar but real proper nutrition and what our bodies actually need to fuel us and I and I do think that it's it's hard to pick up intuitive eating from social media because you're not getting the full picture um so that was really important to me and, a, and an amazing book that I can recommend is just eat it by Laura Thomas she goes into intuitive eating and she deals with it in a really compassionate and kind way um, and I, yeah, I recommend that for anyone listening who wants to stop stop dieting because it's really hard but I think what underpins all of this, all of this advice and everything for people starting out on this journey is self-compassion and self-kindness because this is a really hard thing to do when we've spent our entire lives, especially people of our generation who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, we were really fed diet culture and fed the idea Fed the diet culture myth and and the idea that thinness is the best thing that a human can achieve. so you're trying to undo and unpick a lot of conditioning and it's going to be painful and hard and you just need to afford yourself the most compassion that you can and kindness and try to keep that with you at all points on this journey.
1: We've already touched on sort of a few of the themes in your book. You are not a before picture. um I was wondering is there any sort of thing that you like to add about the book
2: or was there anything sort
1: of particularly surprising that you learned when you were writing it?
2: Yeah. So the, the reason behind the book was I had women saying to me all the time in my inbox, I want to feel better about my body, but how? And I was stuck on this one because I was like, I can't give you the answer to that. I can't sum that up in a, in a response on a DM. And there is a lot more research I need to do as well, and I want to provide a really full, rounded picture of this, um, and that's where the book idea came from. And so, I, I wanted it to be like the ultimate body image bible, and I'm as I said, I'm not, um, uh, I'm not an expert, so. For me, a big thing was getting lots of experts involved. So We've got two dietitians, a doctor, um, a psychotherapist, uh, a personal trainer, but an intuitive fitness personal trainer um, and... I wanted the research to be extensive as well because I really wanted to stress the point and have the full science behind the point of diets don't work and that what we've been fed is a lie. And I think the most surprising thing for me actually was the history of diet culture, how far it goes back, where it started. And it was surprising to discover that it has roots in racism um, as a way for rich white people to distinguish themselves from black people they turn to thinness and it's the diet the 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 history is fascinating also how Weight Watchers was founded how it came about which was a housewife who just brought her friends together uh to 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 bemoan their tries at dieting uh, and that's how Weight Watch was, was formed and then there were also munching parties where uh, you would be taught how to you would have a dinner and then be taught how to eat uh, how to chew your food a hundred times chew a mouthful a hundred times before swallowing so yeah the 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 history is fascinating and when you when you look at it all like that it just you start to realize how arbitrary it is And how silly it all is and I think that I think the the response that I've had about the book has been that that's really been something that struck a lot of people and that they just they didn't understand that this wasn't innate and I keep saying that but I just I find it so interesting how we believe that we're just born wanting to be thin and it's just not the case and so yeah getting you know getting to the bottom of that in the book was just Really interesting, and and it's a Sunday Times bestseller. And um, I was going to ask yes. you what kind of
1: response you've had to it.
2: Yeah, it's the the, the response has been amazing, actually. And I was quite scared because uh, you just never know when you're putting out this thing into the world that you've spent <laughs> months of your life on. And you know, I was, I was. I was like locked away in my room for weeks on end, just deep in in into studies on academia.edu. Um, I still get flashbacks to that nightmares. Um, but the response has been really amazing because I think, I, I think, I, and I mean, the title is You're Not a Before Picture. And I think that has really hit home because a lot of people do just feel like they are a before picture. And, They're waiting for their glow up. They're waiting for their after picture for their lives to begin. And the truth is that like life isn't waiting around for us to start it. Life is here right now. And it doesn't matter. Genuinely doesn't matter what weight we are and how we look because it is the least interesting thing about us. And the fact that we live in a world where it feels like it's not is so warped and i think the book has just been helpful in in making that feel real for people like they are not a before picture like they they have value and worth in this world completely outside of their appearance and how they look mm. i think so many people well
1: i mean i really relate to that sort of idea of kind of putting your life on hold until you know thinking oh well i'll i don't know i'll try to start dating or i'll try and even apply for a certain job or do all these sort of things when I've got lost XX amount of weight or gone down to the dress size um, and as you say life doesn't wait for you so now I really appreciate that sort of you getting that message out there um unfortunately we have to wrap up but um I have one final quite big question you have already covered this um in some of your answers so if, if you'd rather sort of just wrap up with with um Anything else you'd like to add, that's fine. But um, I was wondering if you had, if you'd, yeah, how can we improve our body confidence is my final question.
2: So yeah, so I think one last thing I'd like to add is that, um, is to just, again, further point out how warped this society is and this diet culture is in which we live, is that, actually, beauty does not lie in this one standard of beauty, it does not lie with this this uh, tall, thin, white woman who's tanned and toned and has long hair, you know? Yes, she's beautiful, but beauty also lies in a vast array of different shapes and sizes and races and, and genders and abilities, like I said. And I think... That is a really important thing to realise and recognise that beauty lies in diversity. And I love the analogy of flowers, you know. It's like we might have a favourite flower, like we really love a rose, but we also appreciate the beauty in all different flowers and that rose looks so beautiful amongst different flowers. And how sad if we only had one type of flower, right, when they offer the world so, so much beauty. And I just think that's something that should be applied to humans as well, because that's the really cool thing. None of us, we are all so unique and completely different. We've got completely different genetics and DNA. And that is really cool. And that is something that should be embraced and celebrated rather than something to be fought back against and to try and for us each to try and, you know, to embark on this quest to all look like this one image of a person. It doesn't make sense. And yeah, beauty lies in diversity. And I think that's a really, really powerful thing to, to really explore and uh, make true for yourself.
1: So this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from my men- Mentally
2: yours
1: Mentally yours If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week.
0: Hold up?